0: Thank you for downloading and listening to the Berean Bible Church Sunday morning podcast. Berean Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. so good that you could come and join us. You know, this time of year, I think that um, there are a lot of recipes come out that are made, maybe Christmas cookies, maybe family traditions, maybe you make things you don't normally make any other time of year. A couple weeks ago in our class, I think Jeff Patton made rosettes, if I'm not mistaken, and brought back memories to us because Teresa's aunt used to come out from Wisconsin, from Wausau, at Christmas, and we'd make rosettes and fill our house with that smell of the frying cookies, the rosettes. On the way to church today, uh my wife asked Jean, who we uh rides with us to church, if uh she could have a recipe, a recipe that she makes uh something we had at her house for dinner not too long ago. And she asked her, Can I have that recipe? Is it okay? Meaning is this like a secret family recipe? And of course, Jean, I have no secrets. <laughs> you know, Ninety five years old, you know, what's there to keep secret? You know? So of course you can have it. Well there's a secret in the time of Christ, there actually was sort of a secret recipe. And actually we we read about this in the Mishnah, the the Jewish writings from the time of the rabbis, the time of the time of the New Testament. And there was a family known as the Avtinus family. The Avtinus family. It's a Hebrew name. And the Avtinus family had a recipe that they kept secret. And in fact, in the Mishnah, which is an official Jewish book of the laws, that went along with the Mosaic laws, it says they were to be dishonored because they would not share this recipe with anybody. And the reason why this is so important, in Exodus chapter 30, I'll give you the ingredients to the recipe, but how they made it and the details of how they made it, this family were the only ones who could make this at the time of the New Testament era, and had been passed down in their family, and this and they had a secret how they made it. But here's the ingredients Exodus chapter thirty, verse thirty-four. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take fragrant spices, gum resin, onika, galbanon, and pure frankincense, all in equal amounts. Make a fragrant blend of incense, the work of a perfumer. It is to be salted and pure and sacred. Grind some of it to powder and place it in front of the testimony in the tent of meeting where I will meet with you. It shall be most holy. Do not make any incense with this formula for yourselves. Consider it holy to the Lord. So this recipe was not to be consumed. You're not to eat it. But this was the recipe. These were the ingredients for the incense that was to be burned in the temple. By the time of the first century, there have been some ingredients sort of added to it to, to, to help. Not, not against the law, but in the way it was prepared and the amounts and everything. And the Avtivna the family kept this secret. And they passed it down from generation to generation in their family. We come this morning to Luke chapter 1 as we continue the Christmas account, our Christmas Advent season. And now let's pray as we open God's Word. Father, we pray as we look to your Word this morning that our hearts will be open to you. We thank you that this is the season of good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ come to earth. Because you chose to love us. You chose to save us. And we thank you so much for that. Thank you for each person that's come today, Lord. They could be anywhere else today. They've come, they've chosen to come to worship, to share with one another, to listen to your word. And I pray your blessing on them as we do so together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So in Luke chapter one, as we begin the gospel account of Jesus Christ, and after the, after the introduction where Luke tells Theophilus, whom he is writing this to, uh, the purpose in him doing this. In verse 5, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. They were Levites. They were descendants of Aaron. They were the Levitical family. Notice what it says about them. This is pretty astounding if you thought and think about it. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. Blamelessly. Now this does not mean that they were without sin or without fault or perfect, but it meant they kept the Mosaic Law blamelessly. They sacrificed. They showed their faith in God by offering the sacrifices for their sins as God had asked the people of Israel to do. And they did this with a pure heart, not just religiously, not just for ceremony, but they did this out of their heart. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well along in age, well along in years. And, of course, that's obviously a nice way to say it. They were very old, okay? And they weren't going to have children. It was not going to happen. They were not going to have children. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. So their responsibility is to come and to burn the incense that the family recipe that was kept sort of secret how it was made it was his turn to burn it. Now, just for just a reminder, if I can just get this up here, um, we got. Can you turn the lights just down for a minute? This, and then we'll we'll turn back on. Just to remind you that the the temple, the temple in uh, the first century, this this would have been a, a pretty decent model. This is one we saw in Jerusalem, actually, of the model of the temple, and uh, this would have been a fairly re- reasonable re- reproduction of Solomon's temple. And this building right here was the holy place. There were the courts out here, the courts here, the courts in here, the courts around the holy place, and the holy place that only the priests could go in on certain conditions. And of course, once you were inside the holy place, there was what was known as the holy place here where the, the temple of showbread, the candelabra, and the altar of incense, behind the curtain was the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest, one time a year, was allowed to go in to offer sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. One year, Yom Kippur, celebrated in the fall in the Jewish calendar, Day of Covering, Day of Atonement, a very holy day to the Lord, a very solemn day. We were privileged to be in Israel on our first trip on the Day of Atonement and go to the Western Wall on that day. Inside this holy place was the altar of incense. If you want to keep something in Luke there, if you want to go back to Exodus 30, and the recipe I read you earlier was, was for making this incense because it was also offered on the Day of Atonement. But, we'll notice in Exodus chapter 30, before that, before the recipe was given in, in, in this brief uh, form, we'll notice the, uh, let me get there. Okay. Exodus chapter 30, the prescriptions for this altar that was in that holy place just outside the curtain of the Holy of Holies. In verse 1, make an altar of acacia wood for burning incense. It is to be a square, cubit long, cubit wide, two cubits high, its horns of one piece with it. Overlay the top and all the sides and the horns with pure gold. And make a gold molding around it. Make two gold rings for the altar below the molding. Two of opposite sides to hold the pole. So they wouldn't have to touch it. When you moved this, you inserted the poles through there and you picked it up so no human hands touched it. Verse 6, put the altar in front of the curtain. That is before the ark of the testimony. Right in front of the Holy of Holies before the ultimate atonement cover that is over the testimony, where I I will meet with you. I, God, will meet with you inside the Holy of Holies. My presence will fill the Holy of Holies and I will meet with you. And I will meet with you once a year, particularly when the high priest comes. And we remember in God's presence filled the Holy of Holies and filled the temple. Moses had to leave because it was so blinding. And he came out and his face was shining from the presence of God. Aaron! must burn fragrant incense on the altar every morning when he tends the lamps. He must burn incense again when he lights the lamps at twilight, so the incense will burn regularly from before the Lord for the generations to come. Do not offer on this altar any other incense or any other burnt offering or grain offering. Do not pour a drink offering on it. Once a year he will make atonement on its horns." This annual atonement must be made with the blood of the atoning sin of offerings. So this altar was a daily ritual. And then also once a year, Aaron would go and make an offering on it and then go inside the Holy of Holies. What's this got to do with Luke? Well, we go back to Luke chapter 1. And what we have here is it was Zacharias' turn, a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be able to go in, and to offer incense for the daily pouring and burning of incense on this special altar. Luke chapter 1 and verse 6. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, there were 24 divisions, and twice a year their division would go. There were probably 8,000 priests in Jerusalem, and they would do it by lottery. You'd put your number in, and if your number was drawn, you got to go and And offer that burning incense to God. It was a once in a lifetime. Maybe you could, maybe it would happen twice, but a once in a lifetime opportunity. It was as close, it was as close as a priest like Aaron would ever get to the presence of God supposedly behind that curtain where the Holy of Holies was. I mean this was, this was huge. This was an amazing opportunity. There were priests who never had this opportunity, and it was his turn. And Zechariah came in to offer on behalf of Israel either the morning or the afternoon incense. Nine o'clock or three o'clock. Nine, twelve, and three were the times of Jewish prayer. Nine and three were the times of offering the incense. In verse 11 of Luke chapter one, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense over by the showbread on on his right side. An angel appeared. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and he was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. This morning, our our advent candle, our theme, Fear. You know, if you think of the Christmas story, everybody involved with that story, all the significant players, if you will, fear. The angel comes to Zechariah and he's startled. Why is he startled? Why is he afraid? Well, whenever an angel appears in the Bible, it scares people. It scares people. This is obviously uh, from heaven. This is something you don't see every day. And also... If he went in there and did anything wrong, if he was careless about his preparation, if he was careless and hadn't purified himself and hadn't washed and cleansed himself, if he was careless about it, he would be struck dead, just like the high priest would be. This was serious. And I wonder if the first thing that occurred to him when the angel appears to him is like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, what did I do? The angel appears to him and the angel immediately says to him, Don't be afraid. Mary, the angel comes to Mary. Mary, you have been highly chosen. You are favored of God. Don't be afraid. I was fearful for this young girl, really young girl, young girl, young teenage girl probably, to have an angel come and to to speak to her. Don't be afraid. Joseph, in his dreams, as, as once he hears that Mary is, is pregnant and he's, he's considering breaking, he's decided to break there what we call betrothal in the Hebrew custom. A betrothal is more than just an engagement. You know, you can break an engagement, there's no legal obligation. A Jewish betrothal was a legal obligation. And it was something that you had to legally break and change. It, it didn't happen often. And, and, this, and this betrothal, he, he, he had to break it. And he wasn't going to, he wasn't going to, he was going to do it privately. He was not going to shame her. He was not going to have her punished. And the angel comes to him and says, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Don't be afraid. The shepherds in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night, the angel of the Lord appeared to them. And they were what? King James, they were sore afraid. (laughs) I don't have to tell you what that means, right? Sore afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. For that baby is born as the Savior, Christ the King. Don't be afraid. And Herod the Great. What happened with Herod? He was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. He was afraid. There was much fear this first Christmas. And Zachariah stood there in front of the altar to offer this incense that the Tiba family had prepared for him. And he was afraid. The angel says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. Isn't that wonderful? Wouldn't you love to hear God say that to you? Your prayers have been heard. Would you like to hear that voice of God? What are you praying for? We're praying. I visited with uh, Kurt and Heather um, this this week. Kurt, remember Kurt Olson. He's having the stem cell replacement this week. He's taken radical chemotherapy and and radiation preparing for this. And it's it's very sensitive, very delicate. He's at a high risk of recurrence leukemia. We are praying. And it will be good to hear your prayers have been answered. What are you praying for today? What is on your heart today you're praying for? What if God sent an angel and said, your prayers have been heard? Well, they are heard. They have been heard. But he comes and he relieves Zachariah. Zachariah, But let me ask you this. What is he praying for? What's he praying for? We'll come back to that. Your prayers have been heard. Your wife Elizabeth, who is, politely speaking, well advanced in years. Okay? Well advanced in years. She will bear you a son. And you are to give him the name Yachanan. Yohanan comes out John from Greek to English. Yohanan, Yah means the Lord. It's short for Yahweh. Yah, Yo, Yah. Hanan is a Hebrew word for mercy, for grace. The name means God will be gracious. God will be merciful. This will be His name. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit from His birth. From the day he's born, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And as a priest like Zechariah would have, he would automatically know exactly where this came from. from the last book of the Bible, the Old Testament, I mean, the last book of the Old Testament that ends in Malachi with the promise. Behold, I will send Elijah and he will prepare the people to receive your Savior, your Messiah, the one who will save your people from their sins and reestablish God's kingdom and bless the entire world. He knew what that was. He knew what that was. And all of a sudden, I mean, every, every, every Passover, every, every Passover, there's the empty chair, the Elijah chair. Perhaps it will be your family. Perhaps it will be your family. That God will choose to send Elijah. And you have to be ready. And that chair is ready for Elijah. The Elijah chair. They are still hoping for that. And he is chosen. His family is chosen. His wife who should not have a baby. Physically impossible. She is going to have a baby. And it's going to be the Elijah promised in Malachi. Clearly that's what he's promising. And look at John's response. I mean, Zachariah's response. Look at Zachariah's response. How can I be sure of this? (laughs) You sure? Uh, He's talking to an angel, right? Talking to an angel. How can I? How can I be sure of this? You know, we might say today, really? You know, really? How how can this be? And the angel says, "Ani Gabriel. I am Gabriel. I am Gabriel." And another passage would have popped up in his head immediately from the book of Daniel. The angel Gabriel came to Daniel and said, I am Gabriel. I stand in God's presence. I have come to tell you what is going to happen. I have come to tell you. And there will be 70 weeks of years. And I have given this to you. And he chose Daniel. This is the same angel. The two angels mentioned Michael and Gabriel. The two angels that stand in God's presence. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this evangelism. This evangel. This good news. This good news that's revealed for the first time to humans. But you will be silent. And you will not be able to speak until the day this happens. Because you did not believe my words which will come true at the proper time. What did Zechariah not believe? Well, what was Zechariah praying for? You might assume from this that Zechariah's prayer was that his wife would have a baby, even though it didn't seem possible. But I want to suggest to you, Zechariah probably was praying like all righteous Jews, all the priests, one whose hearts were right with God, would have been praying, God, send the Messiah. Send the Messiah. Read all the all the all the announcements that come afterward by Simeon in the temple, by his own announcement afterward when he found him. It's praise to God. Send the Messiah. Please send the Messiah. Please send the Savior. Send the Lord. Isn't this the time? Why not now? Please, God, send the Messiah. And 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 Gabriel says, Your prayers have been answered. He is going to send the Messiah. But by the way, it's coming through your family. And that's the part that shocked him. This wasn't in the cards. This wasn't what was going to happen. And, and, and Zachariah says, well, how, how, how do I know this? My family? My wife? And the angel says, I'm Gabriel. I told you this. And from now on, because you didn't believe me, you are going to be silent until the birth of this baby. And he did. He couldn't speak. And when his time of service was completed, He returns home. But when he came out, in verse 21 it tells us the people were really worried because he was in there way too long. He should have been out by now. And the crowds are there because they came to the temple during prayer time at 9 and at 3. And if this was 3 o'clock, the crowds would have been great outside waiting for the priest to come back. And he didn't come back. And they were worried that when he did come out in verse 22, he couldn't talk. And they thought he had seen a vision. Something happened in the temple. He kept making signs, trying to get to them and motion to them, make signs to them. But he remained unable to speak. And his wife becomes pregnant. And she goes home and secludes herself for five months. But in verse 25, she proclaims, The Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor, his grace, his chen, Johan, Jonathan, John. God is gracious. And he has taken away my disgrace among the people. And it's this that leads in with Luke to say, in the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. Her name was Mary. Zechariah. You know, he's so typical. And the story is the same. The announcement that Christ is going to come is as clear as can be. There's no doubt. You will have the forerunner. He is the one who will come and prepare the way for the Messiah for Israel's salvation. It is going to happen. And it is going to happen at the right, exact, proper time. It's announced. And it isn't believed. Zechariah has doubts. The doubts come in with the miracle. Well, wait, wait a minute. Not, not, not my family, not me, not my wife. Not the doubts. And Gabriel says, You didn't believe, so you won't talk. It was announced, it wasn't believed, but it happened. It happened. It happened. Because after Mary is given the promise, and after she talks with the angel as well, and after Joseph it's the message. And after they get married, they follow through with their betrothal. And then we read in the end of chapter 1 of Luke, verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, this really well-past-years woman, like Sarah of old, she gave birth to her son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy. Johan, Jonathan, the Lord is merciful. And they shared her joy. At the proper time, the angel said, it will happen. And it happened. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. They were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. Because that's what they were supposed to do. He was an only son. It was Zechariah. That's what you named him. But his mother spoke up, and she said, "No, he is to be called John." And they said, "There's no one among your relatives who has that name. There's no John in your family. Where did this come from?" And they made signs to the father to find out what he would like to name the child. You know, I don't know what they, I don't know how they did it. You know, you what? You know, what do you want to name this child? He, he said, "Give." He makes signs. Give me something to write on. You know, doing all this quickly and and he took it and he wrote his name is John and immediately the minute he wrote that his mouth was open his tongue was loose and he began to speak and look what he did he says he praised God he didn't say oh man I can glad I can talk again <laughs> you know or what's wrong with you people <laughs> he praised God he praised God he praised God, and the neighbors were filled with awe throughout the hill country of Judea. People were talking about all these things. This this story spread. This was a priest who would be. Everybody knew this. Something happened to that man. This would spread. He went in. He went in before God. He went in to offer incense. He came out not being able to speak. He saw something. Something happened. Now he can speak. It's a miracle. And the news spread all over and preparing the way for the Messiah, the news spread around Jerusalem and Judea. And everyone asked about it. What is this child going to be for the Lord's hand was with him? This is an important part of the Christmas story. Zechariah and Elizabeth, two godly people, very godly. You know, But even in their godliness, even in their blamelessness, he had his doubts, right? (laughs) Have you ever had your doubts? He had his doubts. Wait wait a minute. Gabriel, he's talking to Gabriel. He doesn't know that yet. But his heart is saying, this is not going to happen. This is not possible. How could this be? And Gabriel says, no, no, you, you didn't believe. You had your doubts. But you know, God didn't punish him, did he? He didn't punish him, really. He didn't say, okay, fine, I'll go on to someone else. They'll believe. No, he, "No, they said, this is God's choice. God has chosen you. And, and you will not speak. Maybe that's punishment. But he had that time of, 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 of awe and wonder and, and seclusion and a miracle. And he experienced himself, this miracle of God. He couldn't talk. And all of a sudden he could talk. And God didn't 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 reject him because of his. Dis- they were righteous people. They loved God. But God said, "This is going to happen. And even if you don't trust me fully, it is going to happen. And it's going to happen at exactly the right time, the appointed time. And it happened. John was born, and John the Baptist." And read the rest of his story in the Gospels. Heralded the birth of the Savior. He went ahead of him to prepare the way so when Christ came to be baptized by him, the people were prepared for the Savior, Jesus Christ. But I want you to take that home with you today, friends, as we continue to think about Christmas. We contemplate the, the fear of Christmas. You know, we have the picture of the little boy and the lamb from the, from the C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia. I have a picture of, of uh, an artist's conception of Zechariah. And, 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 and the fear, you know, the lamb, I mean, this is the same face. This is, this is a grown man, but the face of the lion on, on the other side is, is what happens now? I, I, this angel's here. I didn't believe. What happens now? Do not be afraid. This is going to happen. And friends, let me close with this. Our message, the gospel of Jesus Christ, It's simply this. He is coming back. The Bible announced it. It's clear. I mean, there's no doubt about it. The the angel announced to John, I mean, to Zachariah, when you have John, He is coming. If you don't believe it, but it's going to happen. And the Bible has made it so clear in so many places. Jesus Christ is coming back. Do you really believe that? Is that possible? You ever had your doubts about that? He is coming back. And it doesn't matter if it's doubted. At the appointed time, He is going to return. He came. He came. And He is coming back again. You know, there was one other person who was afraid After the whole story of Christmas, the birth of Christ, when they brought Jesus to the temple to present him to God, and they brought him into the temple, and they brought the two pigeons, the offering of the poor people, Mary and Joseph were poor people. And you could bring this offering, but if you couldn't afford it, you could bring the pigeons. And they brought the pigeons, because that's all they could afford. And they brought him into the temple and I think you may know the story, Simeon, that old man who had been in the temple waiting and waiting, scooped him up in his arms, took took this baby away from from Mary and to bless them. As he had been promised, he would not die until he saw the Messiah. He was moved by the Spirit. They brought the child in. He took him and he said, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, dismiss your servant in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for revelation to Gentiles. Glory to the people of Israel. And Mary and Joseph marveled. And he blessed them. He, He blessed them. He gave a priestly blessing to Mary and Joseph. And he said, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel to be a sign that will be spoken against. The thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And the last words he spoke of blessing to Mary. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. But that wasn't resolved. He didn't say, but, but don't be afraid. He said, I have to tell you this. The sword is going to pierce your soul too. And friends, it's part of our Christmas story. We sang the song, There is no peace on earth that said, mocks the words, that God is not dead. He does not sleep. And the end of the story is the cross of Calvary. Because at the cross of Calvary, yes, Mary's heart was pierced and broken when she saw her son, her beloved son, whom all these promises, all these promises, to Zachariah and Elizabeth, to Mary and Joseph, to the angels, all these promises of joy and happiness and peace and love are all shattered on the cross of Calvary but they listened carefully don't be afraid I told you I would rise again and finally the fear of your heart being pierced was taken away on resurrection day when she saw him alive again and that is our Christmas story that is our Christmas message he is coming again and he loves you He loves your family. He loves your children. He loves your brothers and sisters. He loves you. And He's calling you, if you have not come, to receive His payment for your sin. That is why He came into the world. He is coming again. Let's close our service, our final hymn, Gary. Let's lift our voices and worship and praise. It's a wonderful time of year to sing these beautiful Christmas songs and remind ourselves He came, whether it's believed or not, he is coming again, and it will be a wonderful and joyous day. Hallelujah! The Lord Jesus Christ came, and you know, He came as a baby. And I love this. I love having this Sunday when the children come and sing to us, and especially the, the early childhood group. And they this. We don't have them up here just because they're your kids and they're cute. We have them up here because this is part of the Christmas message. And our children's choir. You know, I know I know those kids. I know them, and I know most of their stories. And I know that the ones I know that they've come to faith in Christ. I've heard their stories. And there'll be those that say, Well, yeah, Pastor Jim, but you know they're just children. Just just wait. Let's see. You know what? Our Lord Jesus Christ said unless you come as a child, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Because you have to come with that simple childhood faith. Your adult life might be crowded with a lot of complexities and, and a lot of things have rolled by over the years but I want to ask you could you roll could you roll it back and is there a point at which you could humbly just come back to that place of that simple faith and just believe God really loves you and he is inviting you. To receive eternal life. Forgiveness for sins. Newness. With that simple faith of the children. To say yes. I receive. I believe. And I receive Christ as my Savior. Heavenly Father we thank you for this wonderful Christmas season. We are reminded during this Advent time. Of the wonderful. Unknowable miracle of the Incarnation. But that babe in that manger in Bethlehem, the house of bread, was God himself. He grew to be a man. He lived a sinless life. He rejected Satan's temptations and went to the cross and died for me, for my family, for my friends, and for the sins of the world. And he simply You simply offered us eternal life and salvation and relationship with You, newness of life, through simple childlike faith to believe the Christmas message and the Easter message and receive Christ as Savior. I pray if there be one person here today, Lord, that they would open their hearts that they've never done so and say yes to You. Or to come back to you. Bless them. May we walk with you this week. And live in the joy of your love. In Christ our Savior's name we pray. Amen.